into present day uh, Bellafontaine, Ohio. Harry Bellafontaine, Ohio? Yes, the one and only. They, had to, they were forced to go deeper into Ohio. It just went from bad to worse. Uh, <laughs> if we don't finish them off, boys, the sullen, <laughs> the sullen landscape of Ohio will. If we don't um, finish them off, seasonal depression. <laughs> Which season? Every season. It's Ohio. <laughs> Welcome back to the Trilateral Troika. This is Steve, along with the other Steve. Ugh. And Ryan. Wow, what the hell was that? <laughs> I I am embarrassed um, to admit that I have the Sunny D with vodka. And it's actually really good. Why would you be embarrassed? That's like back in the day when bros used to, like, um, <coughs> get upset about, like, people drinking Zima, and it was like, Zima Zima was good, it was just like this sweet alcohol drink. Well, because... Zima's, it's I, vindicated now. I am... Yeah, it's vindicated. I'm very much like the the whole, if I if I see a new and unique product out, even if it's a gimmick, like, I'm that idiot that buys go. everything. So you're like Murder Brian. <laughs> so... Exactly. Especially if there's a streaming option. <laughs> and the other thing, too, is like, I bought the Peeps Pepsi. Disgusting. Oh man, now I'm gonna judge. Horrendous. Yeah, so yeah. so I saw this fucking advertisement on like Instagram and it was like, hey, uh Sunny D with vodka basically and I was like, Oh, oh god, you're like preaching to the kid, like you're just talking to the kid <laughs> that was right the inside ad? of me. It was just it was just Sunny D with vodka basically. It's literally it. That's all it is. <laughs> Buy it Sunny D with vodka I'll, basically. I mean you could have done that before. You just needed to you know, buy a bottle glass. of Sunny D and then, then buy a like cheap bottle of vodka. <laughs> I'll tell you what though, it is it is better than I expected it to be. Um, it's not like we're we gonna mix this Tito homemade vodka with huh? Sun- oh Sunny D. All right, <laughs> yeah, purple, purple drink, stuff. soda. Oh, Sunny that's D. Like, purple stuff. That's like a little bit of like I don't I don't know how to describe it, but that's like because Tito's is is actually kind of kind of like pricey for vodka. And it's garbage, apparently too. It's like well, nah. it's it's vodka. It's yeah. it doesn't matter. I'm telling <laughs> you yeah. right now. As long as it's not in a plastic bottle, you're good. If, yeah, I'm a Jorska. If the makers of this wanted to really hit it out of the park, they would do a recreation of the old Sunny D commercial where they were like, "Oh, grape juice, soda, That's purple what stuff." I was just saying, Sunny D. Yeah. But what you got to do is you got to put the camera in the fridge and you got to do it like in like a dorm. Or like a frat house, and you got a bunch of dudes like, oh man, now White Claw, Miller Lite, oh Sunny D. <laughs> oh man, It'd be perfect, man. But speaking of Sunny D, I'm sure he would be a big fan of Sunny D because today we're going to be talking about Tecumseh. Tecumseh. Are we talking oh, about man. Tecumseh, the great general Tecumseh Sherman? Is that what it is? No, we're going to talk about the guy that he got his middle name from, the uh, the Native American uh, hero. Um, Tecumseh, also okay. also oddly a Canadian a hero, American. but we'll we'll talk about that. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Um, so Tecumseh was born uh, within the uh, territory held by the Shawnee tribe in what is today um, Xenia, Ohio, um, sometime between 1764 and 1771. Um, the best guess of when he was born was around March 1768. You think Ohio was a shit back then as it is now? <laughs> 
is it worse because Tecumseh's there, or is it worse because he's not doing enough? Well, I would I would say well, it's it's uh, probably better because you know it doesn't have like a bunch of Lonnies there, as Murder Brian calls them. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, he was um, born within uh, the Panther Clan of the Kispoko Division of the Shawnee Tribe. Is that the oh, nice. Black Panther Clan? <laughs> I'll edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I won't. That's uh, that's uh, four minutes twenty seven seconds. <laughs> um, that was like a joke my dad would make. You know? I was talking about that this weekend. I was like, "We're we're gonna get Taco Bell." My dad would always go, "Ah, oh, you want Taco Smell, huh?" No. And I'm like, "Dad, come on, <laughs> I, stop." We were talking about Forrest Gump, and I was like, the, "One of the funniest lines in that entire fucking movie is when he's in there and he's like, I'm sorry, I interrupted your Black Panther party.' Funniest fucking <laughs> oh, part man. of the whole goddamn, so movie goddamn right there. good. <laughs> sorry. Uh. Um, his name means um, I crossed the way and shooting star. Um, and, and Shooting Star was a reference to a, uh, a meteor that was associated with the Panther clan. Okay. Um, some later stories also claim that he was named after a shooting star that appeared at the time of his birth, although his father and most of his siblings, as a member of the Panther clan, were named after the same meteor. Mm-hmm. Wait. How, wait. How were they all named after the same meteor? They, they all had, like, variations on, like, Shooting Star. Oh, okay. Um, Just like generic shooting stuff. Okay. Which is which is not an uncommon practice in some languages. Um, for instance, in like um, in a lot of like East Asian cultures, like Japanese and Chinese, um, oftentimes if you have multiple children, there'll be a, a number, a sort of like numeral variation to names. <laughs> this is Ryan Six. No fucking way. <laughs> is that for real? Well, like it, it'll it'll be like it, it's not like saying like you're Ryan number six. But like 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 your George Foreman's fucking kids, but but just like George 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 <laughs> Georgina, but it'll it'll be a it'll be a cognate to um to like a number because what do you call them? <laughs> because a lot of um a lot of numbers share um a lot of words in in Chinese and Japanese um share sounds with other ones really so it almost becomes like a um I I guess I I don't know how to put it but but almost like a um. Like, like, sort of like a reference point. Okay. Okay. Um, um, but um, he was uh, likely born in the Shawnee town of uh, Chillicothe um, in the uh, Scioto River Valley uh, near present day uh, Chillicothe, uh, Ohio, um, or in a nearby Kispoko uh, village. I'm going to need you to do way better with pronunciation for the rest of this episode, okay? <laughs> no, it's gonna be hard. You gotta give him a pass. It's, it's fucking. I was it's Native American. I, yeah, shit. dude. It's I remember. Dude, very listen, I, I, <clears throat> excuse me. I was born and raised in Massachusetts. Uh, trust me, and uh, I know how shitty the name, like trying to pronounce some of these towns are and like areas. Mm, bad. Yeah, definitely. His father, um, uh, Pukashinwa. Um, was a Shawnee war chief of the Kispoko division. Um, and his mother, um, Metho uh, Toske, um, she likely belonged to the uh, Pekoe division uh, of, um, in the Turtle Clan, although some traditions maintain that she was a Muscogee. Um, yep. His mother um, had also been a relative of uh, William uh, Weatherford, um, and uh, he was the uh, fifth of eight children. Goddamn, okay. You sure it wasn't Irish? <laughs> yeah, you sure they weren't Catholic? 
Uh, he was the. Uh, <laughs> Siri just responds. I don't know how to respond to that. Uh. Um, his parents had had met and married in, um, um, but they had met in uh, in the area of present day Alabama, uh, where uh, many Shawnee had um, had settled after being uh, driven out of the Ohio um, region. Uh, by the Iroquois in the 17th century uh, conflict known as the Beaver Wars. The Beaver Wars, okay. The Beaver Wars, yeah, man. Which which was over sort of the uh, control of the uh, of like the territory that held um, beavers, which were a very lucrative um, uh, animal to yeah. uh, to hunt um, and to process their fur because it's naturally waterproof. Um, so that's why they made a lot of hats out of beaver skin. It was it was prized I'm, for that. I'm trying to find like uh, the beavers documentary that was on Netflix when like Netflix was just starting to stream. It was amazing because have you ever heard beavers like how they how they like vocalize? No. Yeah. It is it is fucking hilarious, dude. They're like. Huh, huh. <laughs> like that. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's like a nation of fucking scared, like, old ladies. Oh my God. <laughs> They're just there, like, patting away at this, like, log, and you're just, oh, oh. <laughs> 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 fucking shit's hilarious. I'm telling Steve, you. Steve, I gotta, check. I do have to point out, thank you for, um, you know, clarifying what the beaver wars were about, because I could have swore they were over muskrats. Like, thank you for <laughs> clarifying the beavers were the focal point of that one. <laughs> Oh my god! Not everyone's seen that kids in the hall sketch about the uh, French Canadians and the beavers. <laughs> I feel like kids in the hall is not very accessible. Not anymore. Yeah. Around uh, 1759, um, his parents moved back to the Ohio country as part of an effort by the Shawnee uh, to retake their traditional homeland. Um, in 1763. The British Empire uh, laid claim to the Ohio country following its victory in the French and Indian War. Um, that year, um, uh, Chisakau, um took part in uh, Pontiac's War, which was a, um, a, a pan-tribal effort to counter um, the British's uh, control of the region. Yeah, General Grandam and uh, Lieutenant Grand Prix. Uh, working together with uh, uh, the Sergeant Trans Am to drive the British out. Je- General Motors. <laughs> General Motors. Um, Tecumseh, he was um, was born into um, a peaceful decade that followed that war um, at a time um, when his father likely became chief um, of the Kispoko town of uh, Scioto. So we're um, back in, in Ohio, though, right now, right? Yeah, and okay. and seven- just uh, Kispoko from Skioto. What? <laughs> you know, I'm an Ogie from Muskogee. You can in, do whatever you want to be, man. <laughs> um, in 1768, uh, by treaty, uh, the Iroquois uh, ceded land south of the Ohio River, including present-day Kentucky, to the British. Um, French Canadian. It's the Iroquois. Well, okay, don't you don't need a church <laughs> up there? Okay. <laughs> It's not a mullet, it's a mullet. Like, stop it. <laughs> mullet. <laughs> mullet. This is, a, this is a region that the Shawnee and other tribes used for hunting. Um, the Shawnee attempted to organize resistance against colonial occupation of the region, which culminated in a 1774 um, battle, the Battle of Point Pleasant, um, in which um, uh, Pugashinwa uh, was killed. Um, so his father dies in this battle, and after the battle... Um, the Shawnee would cede uh, Kentucky to the colonists. Damn. Um, when the when the American Revolutionary War uh, began, um, many of the Shawnee allied themselves with the British 
um, and began raiding into Kentucky with the aim of driving out the American settlers. Wait, 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 wait. All right. So, okay. I just want to make sure I understand this correctly. The British came in and annexed their shit and fucked them up. Then, when the revolution happened, they said, no, we're going to be your friends to drive out the Americans. They they essentially um, ally themselves with the British um, in the hopes that um, that the British would give them the territory after they drove the, the colonists who were fighting against the British out of it. They clearly have never met the British. Because <laughs> one, one of the things, though, is that you'll see, and, and this is sort of a trend that, that happens during this time period, is that the... Um, the Native American tribes generally side with the British over the Americans because the the Americans are the ones that want their land. So they're the ones that they're actively fighting. Um, the authorities who are trying to stop the colonists from colonizing the land are um, the British. Because by the time of sort of the um, Revolutionary War, it sort of comes this agreement between the British and the Native American tribes that they won't allow settlement west of the Appalachian Mountains. Interesting. Um, How tenuous it, was that? Well, it, it's one of those situations where you could try, but it, if you get killed or, or you get in trouble, like no one's going to come help you because you're breaking the law. I got you. breaking the law. So, the so, law. so you can do that, but it's 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 not like say like Oklahoma, where where they actually enforced um, until when they stopped enforcing it the um, that you couldn't settle the there. Yeah, because <laughs> um, because for instance, the the reason why they're called Sooners in Oklahoma. Because uh, they were they were people who began settling in the territory uh, before it began open to white settlers because they wanted to get first dibs. God damn! Sounds just um, like some fucking white people though. So they begin siding with the British and fighting um, uh, against the colonists. Um, Tecumseh is um, is too young to fight during this period, and he's forced to relocate um, to safety um, because the Americans are counterating them. Um, in seventeen fifty seven. Um, his family uh, moved from their village um, to, um, on the Mad, um, to uh, a, a Kaspoko town um, on the Mad River near present-day Springfield, Ohio. They got to get out of Ohio, man. Um, it, during this time period as well, a General George Rogers Clark, who was the commander of the Kentucky militia, led a major expedition into Shawnee Territory in 1780. Uh, Tecumseh um, may have um, witnessed uh, the battle that took place um, um between the Native Americans and this expedition at the Battle of Pequa on August 8th. Um, so after the Shawnee retreated, uh, Clark burned their villages and crops. Uh, the Shawnee would relocate to the northwest along the Great Miami River, um, but Clark would again um, raid into their territory in 1782 and destroy those villages as well. Of course, I'm going to take the- this territory. Why? She's a beaut, Clark. <laughs> <laughs> um, and force them to um, go further uh, north into present-day uh, Bellefontaine, Ohio. Harry Bellefontaine, Ohio? Yes, God, the one had, and only. They, had to, they were forced to go deeper into Ohio. It just went from bad to worse. Uh, <laughs> if we don't finish them off, boys, the sullen, <laughs> the sullen landscape of Ohio will. <laughs> if we don't um, finish them off, seasonal depression will. <laughs> Which season? Every season. It's Ohio. <laughs> After the American Revolution ended in 1783, uh, the United States claimed the lands north of the Ohio River by right of conquest. Um, Britain had renounced its claims to the area as part of the Treaty of Paris. Um, In response, um, the Native Americans convened an intertribal conference um, at Lower Sandusky in the summer of 1783. 
um, uh, speakers, uh, most notably uh, Joseph Brandt of the Mohawk, argued that um, Native Americans should unite to hold on to their lands. Um, they put forth a doctrine that Native American lands were held in common by all tribes, and so that no further land should be ceded to the United States without the consent of all the tribes. Okay. Um, so Tecumseh, he he sees this, and he really likes this idea, um, and he's only 15 years old when he attends this conference. Um, as um, as an adult, he comes to sort of advocate this policy, um, and um, some originally believed that it came from him, but in actuality, um, it comes from listening to Joseph Brandt. Um, the United States, though, um, doesn't uh, uh, feel this way, um, and they deal with every tribe individually um, and gets them all to sign separate land treaties. Yeah, of course the United States doesn't feel this way. The United States is only looking out for itself in the expansion west. <laughs> Nothing new. In January of 1786, um, Malantha, the, the chief of the uh, Makoche uh, Shawnee Division, he signs the Treaty of Fort Finney, surrendering most of Ohio to the Americans. Um, later that year, uh, Malantha would be murdered by a Kentucky militiaman, um, which would initiate a new border war between the Shawnee and American forces. Oh, what an asshole. Okay, so why, why was he murdered, though? Just spite? Uh, I, yeah, I'm guessing just, you know, racism. Mm. It might have been over a misunderstanding, but it's generally like, like shoot first. It doesn't matter because they're Native Americans. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, gotcha. So at this time, Tecumseh is 18 years old, um, and he becomes a warrior under the tutelage of his um, older brother, uh, uh, um, who had emerged as a, a war chief within the tribe. Um, he participates in attacks on flatboats traveling down the Ohio River, um, which are carrying waves of immigrants into the lands the Shawnee had ceded to the United States. Um, he was um, disturbed um, by the sight of um, prisoners being uh, uh, cruelly treated by the Shawnee, um, and um, this, this sort of began his um, lifelong a- aversion to using torture and cruelty um, which would he would be celebrated for because he wouldn't use that um, when he would um, fight his future wars. Good. That means he's a principled man. <laughs> um, in 1788, um, he, his brother, and their family moved westward, relocating near Cape Cape Girardeau, um, Missouri. Oh, Cape um, Girardeau. Okay, Cape Girardeau. All right, yeah. Good place. Um, nice place. Yeah, great barbecue. <laughs> Vacation there in the summers. <laughs> I remember the summers at Cape Girardeau. Well, it's, it's not that great because that's where Rush Limbo's from. Shut the fuck up! Are you serious? Even better. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. You can god. find you can find used needles that still have meds in them. I take back everything I said. Burn it to the ground. <laughs> Nothing that spawned um, Rush Limbaugh could be good. They they hope that moving this far west into the south would um would sort of uh, move them away from American settlers, but they found that this didn't last for very long. In late 1789 and early 1790, he would travel south with his brother to live with the Chickamauga um, Cherokee um, near Lookout Mountain in what is now Tennessee. Um, some Shawnee had already been living among uh, the Chickamaugas, um, who were uh, fierce uh, opponents of the United States in its expansion westward. Um, Chisacau, um led about 40 Shawnees in a raid uh, against colonists, and Tecumseh was most likely among them. Uh, during this nearly two years among the Chickamaugas, uh, Tecumseh probably had a daughter with a Cherokee woman, um, and although um, their their relationship was brief, uh, the child would remain with the, the mother. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1791, uh, Tecumseh returned to the Ohio uh, 
to the Ohio country to take part in the Northwest Indian War as a minor leader. There's a lot of wars going on in this time. Yeah. Like, everything's a um, war. Like, how many of these were actually wars versus, like, small just skirmishes that just kind of got blown out of proportion? I would say these are these are wars of genocidal implication <laughs> for the Native Americans. Ah, gotcha. Okay. So these aren't just, like, little skirmishes out in the field. Well, we, well they're, like, they're they're both, like, attacking and, like, burning down each other's, like, settlements. Like, ah. like, like this is, like... Okay. This is like this is like wounded knee level violence where they're just not like oh we're gonna fight in a the field they're like no we're gonna like we're gonna rape and murder everyone we see Jesus Christ. Um, and mainly on the mainly on the colonist side in that department Jesus Christ okay um, so the the natives had formed a confederacy uh, to fight the war and this was led by a Shawnee leader named Blue Jacket um, and he would provide a model uh, for a confederacy that Tecumseh uh, would create years later. Um, he would lead a band of eight followers, including his younger brother, uh, Laua uh, Wathika, uh, later uh, became known as uh, Tensaquatawa. Um, uh, Tecumseh uh, missed fighting in a major Indian victory, which was called St. Clair's Defeat on November 4th, because he was hunting or scouting at the time. Uh, the following year, he participated in other skirmishes uh, before re- uh, rejoining uh, Chisakau in Tennessee. Um, Tecumseh with Chisakau uh, uh uh, Tecumseh was with uh, Chisakau uh, when Chisakau was killed in an unsuccessful attack on Buchanan Station near Nashville in 1792. Near Nashville? Um, it's believed that Tecumseh would have probably uh, sought revenge for his brother's death, uh, but we don't know much about um, the details of that. Gotcha. It, he would, he he would return to the Ohio, right? That's the important thing. He is now in Tennessee. Well, he, he, goes, yeah, he goes. He made it out of Ohio, and now he's in Tennessee, which is the place racist Floridians go to <laughs> because they're tired of Spanish people. When you, when you get the Floridians that are saying Florida's too woke, they go to Tennessee. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they go well, the to fact, Tennessee every fucking time. The, the, fact that, the fact that Florida is as expensive as California now without any of the utilities. Oh, dude, it's so uh, fucking bad. It's there's so many dumb things going on. It's all at once. It's um, unheard of. Tecumseh would return to the Ohio country at the end of 1792. He would fight in uh, several more skirmishes. Um, in 1794, he fought in the Battle of Fallen Timbers, uh, which was a which was a, a bad defeat for the Native Americans. Um, after this battle, um, the Confederacy of the Natives had formed uh, fell apart, um, and uh, Blue Jacket agreed to make peace with the Americans. Um, Tecumseh uh, would not attend the signing of the Treaty of Greenville, which was signed in 1795, in which about two-thirds of Ohio and portions of present-day Indiana were ceded to the United States. Oof, okay. Um, by 1796, though, uh, Tecumseh had risen um, as being a civil and war chief of the Kispoko Band uh, of about 50 warriors and 250 people. Um, his sister, uh, Takuma Pise, uh, was the band's uh, principal female chief. Um, Tecumseh would take a wife during this period, uh, Mamate, um, and had a son, uh, uh, Palkisa, uh, who was born uh, in 1796. Um, their marriage would not last, um, and Tacoma Pise uh, raised uh, Palkisa uh, from the age of seven or eight. Um, Tecumseh would move to various locations uh, before settling in 1798 close to the Delaware Indians, Along the White River near present-day Andersonville, Indiana, where he you said lived for Delaware the next. Delaware Indians. Yes, you said Delaware and Indiana all together way too fast. So okay, <laughs> are the okay? These are the Delaware Indians that live in Indiana. 
Yes, I believe they got pushed out that far. That sounds like a fucking Abbott and Costello routine. Okay. <laughs> I already mentioned uh, Miami, Ohio, but yeah, I, people I, are usually used to that because of the college. Yeah, yeah. That, that one just kind of went went in and out. I, I couldn't make a joke about that one. Um, he would be uh, married twice uh, during this time. Uh, his third marriage was to uh, a woman named White Wing, which lasted until 1807. It's like Dwight Howard just setting up franchises. <laughs> Bro, just give up, man. <laughs> just on, just battling, you know, in his particular way around the countryside, setting up franchises. Um, real. So, well, Tecumseh <laughs> lived. Um, and he's just like those uh, tech bros who are like, I gotta have as many kids as possible. He's just like Elon Musk. Yeah, uh, there you go. Um, um, isn't that the? We're gonna the, catch some shit for quiver. comparing Tecumseh to Elon Musk. That's so, the quiver. Well, they're not. They're, they're they're not. They're not quiverful. Quiverful is like a religious thing. <laughs> yeah, the quiverfuls are fucking. The, these are just. These are just like 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 techno fascist psychos who oh. think that they're the superior bloodline, so they have to they have to keep pumping out children because they they think because they like Rick and Morty, they're the master race. It's literally the quiverful movement, just with a new coat of paint. <laughs> literally, literally. Like, why do you? Why do you well, think the Quiverful movement? Why do you think they all have like well, thirty-seven well, it's, kids? Well it's, well, it's different because there's a huge religious component into the Quiverful thing about like True. that that women need to constantly be pregnant, and that if you have a child that has a disability, that it's God punishing you, Holy and that shit. if you can't have children, you're also being punished by God, and Holy it's because shit. you did something. I don't know. That and like, serious. I literally thought yeah, it's that, as many that's, kids as possible to repopulate the earth with like the evangelical Christians. No, it's like you you got to be like you're you're if you have a wife and she's not constantly pregnant, you're you're suspect. What? Yeah. Yeah, they just treat women like brood mares. Um so anyways, uh while Tecumseh lived <laughs> so along anyways. the So anyways. While Tecumseh lived on the White River, um Native Americans in that region uh were beginning to be troubled by um by just uh, disease, um alcoholism, um, just the general uh, state of poverty that they were forced to live in due to the loss of their land um, and also depopulation due to the above reasons um, and also that their uh, that their traditional way of life was beginning to decline. Um, during this time, and as like any other um, society that's sort of in this uh, precarious state, um, different religious prophets began to emerge, offering explanations and remedies for the crisis they were experiencing. Um, during this time, Tecumseh's younger brother, Agwala uh, Wathika, uh, a healer, uh, he became a healer um, in, his, in Tecumseh's village. Um, until that time, um, uh, he had been regarded as sort of like a misfit with very little promise. Um, but in 1805, he began preaching, uh, drawing upon ideas um, espoused by earlier prophets, uh, particularly a Delaware uh, tribal prophet named Neolin. Um, Lala Wathika he urged his listeners to reject European um, influences, to stop drinking alcohol, and to discard their traditional medicine bags. This is Tecumseh's younger brother. Yeah. Um, Tecumseh uh, followed his brother's teaching by eating only uh, food um, from native, uh, sort of like Native American food, um, and also wearing uh, traditional Shawnee clothing and not drinking alcohol. Okay, um, so... <clears throat> I like how you phrase it like, oh, you know, to come show, he only ate food. <laughs> like, all right, cool. Well, 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 native like like food that's native to the Americas. Gotcha. Um, so like the traditional like the three sisters like corns and beans, um, and potatoes, like like just just things that are only from here. The three sisters. Yeah, the three sisters. You've never heard of that before. I have not. Apparently not. I'm listening. What is it? Yeah, it's corn. 
It's like corn, beans, and potatoes, I think. Interesting. But it's like, what? Like, referring to indigenous was, um, crops here to the North America? Cops, um, come and try it, to snatch my crops. It was, um, it, it was essentially a way of, like, um, of just, like, they, they called it the Three Sisters because it was maize, climbing beans, and winter squash. And they planted them together because they sort of, like, worked together with the soil. Um, okay. so, so in a way they were just sort of practicing like, like a sort of like a, like a modern form of like crop rotation, um, by, by just sort of farming, uh, plants that sort of go together well. Um, but instead of having like a scientific rationale be- behind it, they, they used a more, um, I guess folksy way of describing it. It just works better. <laughs> um, and different, and different, um, tribes had their own like sort of versions of it. Um, but those were generally the ones that were in, um, like North America, um, and because like it, it showed too because like the Native Americans uh, were much better uh, farmers than the Europeans usually because they had more of a variety of plants to uh-huh. farm. Because a lot of the things that we think of like uh, like today of like plants that we eat, the majority of them were unknown to Europeans until colonization of the Americas. Like huh. they didn't have tomatoes, they didn't have potatoes, um, they didn't have corn. Lambs, greens, tomatoes, potatoes. Tomatoes. Wait, so wait, wait, wait. You name it. So, so pretty. Italy didn't have tomatoes. No, not until after um, the Spanish uh, conquest of the Americas. And even then, they were like leery about them because of their high acidity. They thought they were uh, poisonous at first. You're blowing you didn't know my that, Ryan? fucking you didn't mind. Know I that. thought th- I thought that they were tomato, <laughs> like San Marzano tomatoes, or like quote unquote, quote unquote, like the best tomatoes in the fucking world. And they're like come from the San Marzano region of Italy. So I thought like you know tomatoes had at least some sort of a like root heritage in Italy. San Marzano tomatoes are good, but don't people are fucking stupid about that. It also, what the fuck do you mean? I didn't know that. Are you kidding me? Go to fucking any goddamn Olive Garden or Carabas. Every single one of them goddamn places. That's where they get you. That's where they get you with their lies, Ryan. I was literally joking, dude. Ease up. You didn't know that. You didn't know I was joking. Because that's like come through this fucking computer. Because that's like feed you tomatoes right now, which would probably kill me because because that's like the low-key story of like like johnstown and and also the pilgrims is that they had no idea what the fuck they were doing in terms of like farming so the native americans had to show them what to do oh yeah yeah of course and then they and then they thank them by murdering them yeah i'm from up there where we Jesus. actually got like the real education of what actually happened like when the plymouth or when the pilgrims landed at plymouth rock wow is it different when you come down here and you learn what like they're teaching down here you're like wait what that didn't what? Yeah, the, the the Native Americans actually had like complex agricultural systems, not just with um with like uh like agricultural like farming, but also with like game, like like how they handled like deer. Uh-huh. And they almost set up like pseudo like deer preserves mm-hmm. to ensure that they would have like a good stock of like deer. Mm-hmm. So they were essentially following a lot of like modern techniques we use today back then. Um, but a lot of uh, colonists just disregarded them because they're just like, well, it's nature. We can we can just we can take as much as we want because there's infinite land. There's infinite everything. Yep. It's it's here, so we can have it. It's mine. Um, <laughs> so in 1806, uh, Tecumseh um, and uh, his brother, uh, Lala uh, Wathika, um, he, he had become to be known as a, as a prophet, and they would establish a new town near the ruins of Fort Greenville, uh, which is in present-day Greenville, Ohio, um, where the 1795 Treaty of Greenville had been signed. Um, so after they establish this uh, the settlement, um, 
Laulithika's uh, message begins to spread widely, attracting visitors and converts from multiple tribes. Um, uh, originally, they had hoped to uh, reunite uh, the, the scattered Shawnee tribes um, at Greenville, um, but they were opposed by uh, Blackhoof, uh, a Makoche uh, chief regarded by the Americans as the quote-unquote principal chief of the Shawnees. Why? Why did, why did, why did uh, Blackhoof not want that to happen? Because Blackhoof plays ball with the Americans, and the Americans like him for that reason. Ah, there it is. Um, okay. So, uh, Blackhoof and other leaders um, around the Shawnee town of Wapakoneta, uh, uh, um urged uh, the Shawnees to accommodate the United States by adopting some American customs, with the goal of creating a Shawnee homeland and secure borders in northern Ohio. Listen, all we gotta do is start wearing Fruit of the Loom, drinking Coca-Cola... And wearing Ralph Lauren Polo collared t-shirts with the collars popped. And we will fit in, and they will let us keep our land. We, we, have, found that the, we have found that the white man loves pastels. If we are to wear... If we wear, if we wear, if we wear a nice nice pink, a sky, uh, an egg blue, uh, uh, a, light, a light blue, the we have found that the, uh, that the, that the white man is, is more amenable to us. He, he finds us non-threatening. You look very good in that salmon-colored shirt. We found the younger white men loved the, the shorter shorts in salmon color. I literally just said to Siri, because I turned my wrist and it happened to be listened, it literally just said on the screen, Tecumseh, you look very good in that salmon-colored shirt. And she said, is there something I can help you with about that? I am now going to be putting that into the mid-journey AI. Tecumseh in a salmon-colored shirt. Oh, man, it's never going to come out. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Fucking mid-journey. Um, so the uh, Wawathika's um, sort of message and his movement uh, represent a challenge to these chiefs um, who sat on the tribal council of Wapakoneta. Um, most of the Ohio Shawnees um, followed uh, Blackhoof's path and rejected the, the movement of the prophet. Um, eventually, though, um, some important converts would join the movement at Greenville, um, including Blue Jacket, the, the aforementioned uh, Shawnee war leader, um, and Roundhead, who became Tecumseh's close friend and ally. Okay, there's no way these are fucking real names. Blue Jacket, or, okay, Blue Jacket, I believe. Roundhead? You're yeah, right. well, it's, you're, it, essentially they're translations of, like, uh, of, of, like, the, of, like the name, <laughs> of the name and the language, because, like, most names are like that. Like if you if you take most like names like cause, like if you look up what your name means, like they're they're just sort of describing it in a literal sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and like for instance, like means little king somehow. Well, yeah, well you know like the ancient Romans like Caesar isn't isn't like an actual like like surname. I, I think we've talked about this before. It, it's like a nickname. Yeah, like like yeah. it's essentially like a mafia style like nickname where right. they essentially like it was Harry because he was balding. Interesting. Um, and and so the same the same principle sort of applies here, um, and and also they were um, given these names to sort of represent like different things that would happen in their life, or um, some of them they were born with. Like I don't think Blue Jacket was born with the name Blue Jacket. Um, so uh, no. around this, <laughs> you don't think that's what's on his birth certificate? Blue Jacket. He was swaddled in a blue jacket, Steve. <laughs> and how dare you judge him? That's what they had. I know. I need to check my privilege. I need to sit down, shut up, and listen. <laughs> you need um, to listen to Roundhead, okay? Yeah, seriously. Um, so around this time, uh, the American settlers are becoming uneasy about what's going on at Greenville. 
um, from 1806 and 1807 uh, to I'll come to. Right, I'm uneasy about what's going on in Greenville right now. What is going on in Greenville? <laughs> no idea, but it's in Ohio. Right? Probably, probably meth. <laughs> yeah, probably. Meth. Probably meth. I, I've heard. I've heard people start moving on to heroin now that the uh, the pill market's dried up a little bit. Oh no. Um. um so uh, Tecumseh Blue Jacket travel in 1806 and 1807 uh, to Chillicothe, the capital of the new uh, U.S. state of Ohio, uh, to reassure the governor that Greenville poses no threat to them. Yeah. Uh, rum- rumors uh, <laughs> of war between the rumors of war between the United States and Great Britain, uh, following an incident um, in um, following an incident called the Chesapeake Incident, um, begin to spread in June of 1807. Um. In order to escape the rising uh, tensions that are developing in the region, uh, Tecumseh and his brother uh, decide to move west to a more secure location, uh, farther from the American forts and closer to potential um, Native American allies. In 1808, uh, Tecumseh and his brother, um, uh, Lalithika, they establish, a, they establish a village Americans would come to call Prophetstown, uh, north of present-day uh, Lafayette, uh, Indiana. Prophetstown. Uh, during this time, um, at Lalawathika, he would um, adopt the new name uh, Tensakwatawa, uh, which means the open door, uh, meaning he was the door through which his followers could reach salvation. Jesus. So, do we have any idea what, like, they kind of thought salvation looked like? Because, I mean, obviously they're not Christians. I would say it would be, I, when they say salvation... They, they mean in a sense of like a national salvation. Um, you can't really call them like like a nation state because like the the term like a nation state is like very nebulous. But but the idea of almost like a return to a like a it's I would say it's a reactionary movement, like a return to like an imagined past or, or to even in their case, maybe even like a, a known past. OK, free of free of like the degradations of like uh, of like white colonialism. Okay, so when he says he's a, or when he says when his brother, Tecumseh's brother, says that he is a prophet, we're not talking about prophet in the sense of like, like a David Koresh. Well, he he he's a prophet in the sense that that he believes that the um like for instance like the spirits are are talking to him like like it does have a religious element to it, uh, which will come back to like bite him in the ass later on. Um, but but I would say it's more more close more akin to like like in a modern day thing for instance like like General uh, Butt Naked are you familiar with him? What <laughs> he, he's a he's a Liberian uh, no, warlord who no, believe <laughs> who, who he who believe who believe that um, that if they did like a ritual and he ran into battle like naked he couldn't be hit by bullets. Let me guess. I, I have he heard of this. I've and, heard and, of this. And just also the thing too, like where there were. Um, like they're they're sort of like like warlord um sort of like fighters in in Africa who would wear like like dresses because because they believed it would like confound their enemies and also there was also I think a mystical angle to some of them. Um this kind of comes up too um with uh Tetsukwatawa is is that he does begin to eventually promise things like that that they won't be able to be hit by by bullets and things like that. <laughs> 
So, so there is, there, there is, I would, I would call it a uh, pagan with, for lack of a better term, but, but there is sort of like a native religious angle to this. Would it be We're more... talking some real Ernest goes to camp level native American stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like they'll, they'll eventually build a giant battle machine that they'll use to, against the American forces that, that flings turtles at them. And damn right. I was going to say, I'm thinking more heavyweights than Ernest goes to camp, but that said, um, <laughs> <laughs> so would it be more accurate to say that they are more or he is more like a medicine man type thing well he's he's both um because remember he's a healer but but he's also a religious leader because uh, okay. it's like doctor it's like doctor and priests like rolled into one gotcha okay um so like they had done in greenville uh prophetstown began attracting um many followers uh comprised of many tribes uh these tribes would include the the shawnee uh, the Potawatomis, the uh, Kikapus, the Winnebagos, Sox, Ottawas, uh, Leandots, uh, and Iowas. Um, and this is sort of like the first time that all of these um, varieties of like Native American tribal groups would live together. Um, it's, it's believed that up to 6,000 people had settled in the area, uh, making it larger than any American city of the region. Come on down to Crazy Owls. I got your Potawatomis, your Kickapoos. We got your Winnebagos and your socks. Out back, I got your Ottawa's and your Wind Dots. And out front, I got your Iowa's. Come on down. Nobody's going to beat our prices. <laughs> We're just west of McDonald's on 27. If you see the Outback Steakhouse, you went too far. Best of you turn. We're there's, right there on the right. There's definitely a McDonald's <laughs> on every 27. That's a, that's def, that's the title of the, uh, the episode, by the way. We're going to start um, getting more poetic. There's a McDonald's on every 27, folks. Have a good night. A, a historian, Jortner... Uh, uh, Siri just said good night to me. God damn it. I got to take my watch off. Um, a historian, Jortner, uh, um, argues um, in, in his work that uh, Prophet's Town effectively become an independent city-state. I see. Um, it, at, um, at Prophetstown, uh, Tecumseh and, and Tetsukotawa uh, initially worked to maintain a, a peaceful coexistence between their community and the United States. Uh, but a major turning point would come in September of 1809 when William Henry Harrison, then governor of the Indiana Territory, negotiated the Treaty of Fort Wayne, purchasing 2.5 to 3 million acres uh, of land in present-day Indiana and, and Illinois. Okay. Um, although uh, many uh, Native American leaders signed the treaty, um, others who used the land were deliberately excluded from the negotiations. Um, the treaty, though, caused widespread outrage among Native Americans, um, and according to historian John uh, Sugden, uh, put Tecumseh on the road to war with the United States. Uh-oh, there it is. Um, before the Treaty of Fort Wayne, uh, Tecumseh was relatively unknown to outsiders, who usually referred to him as uh, the prophet's brother. Oh man! Oh man! Dude. That must have hurt. And that's his um, younger brother, right? Yes. Oh, his his older his older brother was was killed in battle with the Americans. Um, afterwards, uh, he would emerge as a prominent figure as he built um, built up a confederacy uh, between uh, many uh, Native American tribes in order to counter U.S. expansion. Um, in August of 1810, uh, Tecumseh would meet with William Henry Harrison at Vincennes, which was the capital of Indiana Territory. Um, and a standoff that would become um, a part of American legend. Oh, a standoff. All right, I'm here. Um, Tecumseh uh, demanded that Harrison uh, rescind the treaty uh, for uh, Fort Wayne um, and its session, 
um, and said that he would oppose any American settlement um, in the lands. Um, he said that the chiefs who had signed the treaty would be punished and that he was uniting the tribes to prevent uh, further um, sessions of land. Um, Harrison, though, um, insisted that the land had been purchased fairly and that Tecumseh had no right to object because Native Americans did not own the land in common. Um, Harrison said that he would send Tecumseh's demands to President James Madison, but did not expect the president to accept them. Um, as the meeting was concluding, uh, Tecumseh said that if Madison did not rescind the Treaty of Fort Wayne, um, he said, quote unquote, you and I will have to fight it out. Oh, that's gangster. Oh, that's gangster as fuck. Hey, listen, man, you can send that up the chain, but dog, if your boss says no, I'm going to fuck your shit up. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm going to give you a little bit of encouragement to make sure your boss says yes to this. How's that sound? This is your ass if he says no. Oh, that's so gangster. <laughs> after this after this confrontation between the two, uh, Tecumseh would travel uh, to build his confederacy. Um, he went westward to recruit allies uh, among the uh, Potawatomis, uh, the Winnebagos, Sox, Foxes, Kikapoos, and Missouri Shawnee. In November of 1810, he visited Fort Malden in Upper Canada to ask British officials for assistance in the coming war, uh, but the British uh, were noncommittal to helping the natives and urged restraint. So, I'm sorry. I just want to go back. What happened to the, 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 the fight he was going to have to have with Mr. William Henry Harrison? Well, well, he knows it's coming because remember, this is this is the eighteen hundreds. Like, the message has to get back to Washington from the literal like frontier. Like, oh, like this okay, is okay. Th- this is like the area they're in now. Th- this is like the wild. This is essentially like the wild west before the wild west. Okay, gotcha. Like, like if you're out here, like there's nothing else. Okay, so he does sent the message, and now he's like, hey, listen, this is not going to turn out well. Let me let me gather my people. And get yeah, because they don't they don't even have telegraphs during this time period. Right. Because okay. remember, in the War of 1812, one of the most famous battles of the war is the Battle of New Orleans, which takes place after the war ended because nobody got word that the war the war had been over for like a month. Well, I get that you don't want to use your your phone during the day because daytime minutes. But, like, if they just waited till after 8 p.m., they could have just used their nighttime minutes. It's, like, free long distance, too. They could have come <laughs> we, know there was, <laughs> we know they were on edge out there, and there was just so little uh, so, so little service that they couldn't really get it out. You mean Metro? Well, they, they had too much pride <laughs> to call 1-800-COLLECT, you know? And, you know, and, Andrew Jackson just wasted the battery on his phone playing Snake all the time. and William Henry just, Harrison's, like, 1-800-COLL-ATT for collect calls. Mom, pick, Mom could pick me up from the battle I lost. <laughs> All he had to do was call 10 10 you know? In, in May of 1811, uh, Tecumseh would visit Ohio to recruit warriors from among the Shawnee, uh, Wyandot, and Senecas. Um, and after returning to Prophetstown, he sent a delegation to the Iroquois in New York. In July of 1811, uh, Tecumseh would again uh, meet with uh, William Henry Harrison at Vincennes. Um, he told the governor he had amassed a Confederacy of Northern Tribes and was heading south to do the same. Uh, for the next six months, uh, Tecumseh would travel some uh, 3,000 miles um, in the south and west to recruit allies. Um, we don't exactly know um, like how much like how much territory he covered in his uh, journey and what he accomplished, and it's often exaggerated in folklore about him. Um, but he probably met with the Chickasaws, Choctaws, Muscogee, Asoge, um, Western Shawnees, <laughs> and Delawares, Iowa, Sox, Foxes, Sioux, Kikapoos, 
and uh, Potawatomi's. <laughs> go ahead. I just I just kind of heard Crazy Al coming back when you started listing all that stuff. But go ahead. Um, he was aided. Um, he was aided in his recruitment efforts as well um, by natural phenomenon. Um, in 1811, there was uh, there was a great comet referred to as the Great Comet of 1811, um, and also there was the New Madrid earthquake, uh, which he and other Native Americans interpreted as omens that his Confederacy should be supported. Um, the, the New Madrid earthquake was this uh, colossal earthquake that originated in like Arkansas, and and it like it was like a 7.4 level earthquake. That's, That's a like, big one. That's almost a 7.5. <laughs> but it was it was it was to the point that like people in the region like it like completely destroyed their homes yeah i was gonna say like 7.4s on the richter scales are like those those things end your buildings if they're not like literal earthquake proof buildings yep um so many would reject um his um his like request for them to join his confederation especially in the south um, the the Choctaws and Chickasaws, uh, most notably, um, and um, his own, his most receptive Southern listeners, though, were the Muscogee. Um, a faction among the Muscogees who became known as the Red Sticks uh, responded to uh, Tecumseh's uh, call to arms and contributed to the coming uh, um, Creek War. Um, according to a story in Sugden, uh, Tecumseh had made a serious mistake by informing Harrison he would be absent from Prophetstown for an extended time. Um, during his absence, um, uh, Harrison wrote, uh, affords a most favorable opportunity for breaking up his Confederacy. In September of 1811, Harrison marched towards Prophetstown uh, with a thousand men. Um, in the pre-dawn hours of November 7th, warriors from Prophetstown would launch a surprise attack on Harrison's camp, initiating the Battle of Tippy Canoe. Oh man, that's one of those battles you always hear about, like in elementary school, like yeah. founding of America, the Battle of Tippy Canoe. Because John Tyler was also at that battle, because it's like Tippy Canoe and Tyler too. Who the fuck is John Tyler? A future American president. <laughs> Listen, you're never going to believe me after the statement I just made. Who the fuck is John Tyler? But when I was a kid, and there's actually you video don't know evidence. Who John Tyler is. Listen, there's video evidence of this somewhere. When I was a kid, I used to be able to name every American president up through Bill Clinton, like from memory, just. Right yeah, off my head. I had an ex who could do that. Because <laughs> the because uh, the the rhyme uh, Tippy Canoe and Tyler Two it referenced that you, if you voted for William Henry Harrison, you were getting the hero of the Battle of Tippy Canoe, not to spoiler uh, spoil it. Um, and uh, John Tyler, who would be his uh, vice president. Oh, I thought I was saying Tyler Two, like the next like blockbuster hit sequel to the summer. <laughs> you get John Tippy Tyler Canoe <laughs> and Tyler Two, <laughs> the hot sequel to Tippy Canoe One. <laughs> Tyler 2 just sounds like a guy that's like in a boy band. He's like the bad boy in the boy band. Oh, no. Um, Harrison's uh, men, though, during the attack on the camp would hold their ground, um, after which the warriors of Prophetstown would withdraw and evacuated to Prophetstown. Um, the Americans would, um, would attack and burn the village the following day and return to Vincennes. Um, Generally, historians view um, the Battle of Tippecanoe as a devastating blow to, to, to Tecumseh's Confederacy. Um, according to a story recorded by uh, Benjamin Drake ten years after the battle, uh, Tecumseh was furious with his brother after the battle and threatened to kill him. Um, his brother's like, I'm a prophet. You're not going to kill me. I can see the future. Blah, blah, blah. Fuck off. 
But but afterward. It comes in his face like, well, fucking kill you. He's like, yeah, bro, whatever. I can see the he's future. Just, he's, no, just putting his, he's just putting his fingers on his temples. And he's just like, no, you won't. I would have um, murdered him. I would have murdered him in there. Um, but but afterwards, it, um, it was believed that um, that his brother uh, would play a little part in the, the leadership of the Confederacy. Um, but modern scholars have begun to uh, uh, doubt this. Um, and, they, and the modern scholars have argued that the stories of his disgrace originated uh, from Harrison's allies and is not supported by other sources. Gotcha. Um, according to this view, the, the battle was a setback uh, for uh, Tensa uh, Kwatawa, um, but he would continue to serve as the Confederacy's spiritual leader with Tecumseh as its military and uh, diplomatic leader. When you say spiritual um, leader, you don't mean like... like <laughs> Like Trump is like the spiritual president because <laughs> he's not really president. <laughs> people are like, oh no, he's still able. Yeah, yeah, sure, 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 whatever. Or do you mean like spiritual? Like he's like no, like, I, I don't like think I don't think there were kinda. I don't think there were any members of the Confederacy that think that you know uh, that uh, Tenskwatawa <laughs> actually won the popular vote and he's actually the president. And that if you you follow the mules that we're putting in the votes into the voting boxes, you'll see. Um, and did I mention that if you use the code? Uh, you stolen stolen election. You can get half off a pillow. They use code Sacagawea to get your free golden coin. Tecumseh <laughs> um, coin. Uh, William uh, Henry Harrison had hoped that his preemptive strike would have um, would have subdued the Confederacy, uh, but uh, after the battle, a, a sort of a wave of, of violence would erupt along the frontier. Um, so Henry Harrison isn't he the president that died in like seven days or something? After he did all this shit, that would be really disappointing if he got into office and died in well, like he, seven days. No, he he was in office for uh, four days. No years. <laughs> he, he served who, a full. Who am I thinking of? And there's this one president that served like no term at all. It was like died like really fast right after he got into office. That's gotta suck, bro. I th- I think uh, well I know Zachary uh, Taylor was only president for like a year. Harrison died thirty-one days after his inauguration, the shortest presidency in the United States history. Oh, I was looking at John Tyler's. Oh, okay. There you go. Goddamn, thirty-one days. That sucks, bro. But yeah, he 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 refused to wear a raincoat during um dur- during his I like inauguration this. speech. Yeah. I got this. I don't need he, it. He was like one of those assholes, you know, here in Florida that like looks down on you for having like an umbrella. Like you're not a you're not a man because you're not like walking in the rain. Well, what yeah, do you if do you have, like, if you have a on mask, you? they literally just like yeah. Up? He 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 was like he was like all like stressed out and like um, worn down from his like schedule, and um, he refused to wear a coat um, or, or a hat during his like inauguration, and so he got um, and and he didn't change his uh, wet clothes when he returned to the White House. Uh, so he got um, so so he sort of like came down with probably pneumonia. He got a little bit of a sickness called tippy canoe. What? Was, uh... <laughs> Why didn't he change his wet clothes? What kind of unhinged fucking eighteenth century backwards ass shit is we talk or are, are we talking about here? Because he wanted to be a man. That's why. He's not, it's not, not some God. not some bitch made. He's the fucking president. <laughs> I don't wear a seatbelt, you pussy. I go through the windshield like a man. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, if I if I wear the seatbelt, I'm going to lose an arm. But if I don't wear the seatbelt, I'm going to die. <laughs> I prefer <laughs> I prefer that. Oh my god. Um. So Harrison's attack uh, brings about um, this this sort of wave of of sort of like uh, revenge attacks on colonists, um, and uh, and about as um, and as many as forty six Americans would die in the ensuing violence. Mm. Um, Tecumseh. Uh, sought to restrain his warriors from from attacking prematurely um, and prepare the the Confederacy for future uh, conflict with the United States. Um, so by the time the United States had declared war on Great Britain in 1812, um, as many as 800 warriors had gathered around the rebuilt Prophet's Town um, to serve under Tecumseh. Interesting. Um, Tecumseh and his allies throughout the Northwest Territory uh, would number around uh, 3,500 warriors. Oh, shit. Um, in June of 1812, uh, Tecumseh would arrive at Fort Malden um, in Amherstburg uh, to join uh, to join with the British in the War of 1812. Um, the British had few resources and troops in the West, um, so the Native American allies uh, were essential to their defense of Upper Canada. Uh, the British uh, quickly recognized Tecumseh as being the most influential of their allies and relied upon him to direct the Native American forces. Um, he and his warriors would scout and probe enemy positions um, as as the American general uh, William Hull crossed into Canada and threatened to take Fort Malden. On July 25th, his warriors skirmished with the Americans north of Amherstburg, inflicting the first American fatalities of the war. Um, Tecumseh, soon after this, would turn his attention to cutting off Hull's supply and communication lines to the U.S., um, cut, by, cutting the fiber, like, like by, some landscapers in, in Orlando, just cutting yeah. the fiber cables. <laughs> just, the internet's out. Um, Tony's, Tony's tree service, the internet's <laughs> out. <laughs> he would do this uh, south of Detroit. Um, yeah. yeah, just one of those things where they put in um, like the, the pole driver or whatever, the thing that makes the hole for to put in like a like a post. Yep. And they, they use that and they just pull it out and it's just like dirt and then just like a whole cross section of wire. <laughs> um, uh, on, you didn't call uh, before uh, you dig. You didn't call. Yeah. It says call before you dig. You didn't um, do it. On, on August 5th of 1812, uh, he would lead 25 warriors in two successive ambushes, scattering a far superior American force. Uh, Tecumseh would capture uh, Hull's outgoing mail. Uh, which revealed that the general was fearful of being cut off um, from the U.S. Um, on August 9th, Tecumseh joined the British soldiers at the Battle of uh, Magagua, um, successfully uh, thwarting uh, Hull's attempts to reopen his line of, of communication. Um, two days later, Hull pulled the last of his men from Amherstburg, ending his attempt to invade Canada. Interesting. On, so we're, like, on, rooting against the Americans for this episode, right? This is interesting. Um, well, yeah, it, it, this is kind of like what, what happens, like even happens like today, like, like the same shit that goes on today is still happening. Whereas like Tecumseh and his guys are kind of like the, uh, the Kurds of the 18th century, oh, as, as you'll come to find out. Jesus. Um, on, on August 14th, um, uh, Major General Isaac Brock, uh, the British commander of Upper Canada arrived at Fort Molden and began preparations for attacking uh, Hull at Fort Detroit. Um, Tecumseh, upon hearing uh, Brock's plans, reportedly turned to his companions and said, uh, This is a man. 
He probably said, you're crazy, dude. Fort Detroit? Do you know how heavily armored and <laughs> how many weapons they have in Fort Detroit? No, nobody's going in there. You're not making it out alive. This is crazy. This is madness. It's Detroit, man. You're crazy. Um, soon after this, uh, Tecumseh and Brock uh, would become friends, and they would form an alliance. Um, uh, Brock's esteem for Tecumseh uh, uh, probably also contributed to a myth that Tecumseh was appointed brigadier general in the British Army. Um, though this is a myth that he was never given any formal rank within the British Army. Of course not. He was a Native American. <laughs> they're not going to give him jack shit. Well, there. We'll, we'll also talk about those two sort of like the the his, the historical memory of Tecumseh and and who exactly and what exactly he was fighting for. Um, because uh, today, uh, Canadian propaganda says he and other the, the Native Americans were fighting for Canada, and they they were not, as you'll see. Um, so, so Tecumseh led about 530 warriors in the siege of Detroit. Um, according to one account, um, had his me- he had his men repeatedly pass through an opening in the woods to create the impression that thousands of Native Americans were outside the fort, uh, a story that, that may be uh, apocryphal. Um, to almost everyone's astonishment, uh, Hull surrendered the fort on August 16th. Well, if it's apocryphal, it still works. Ryan, do you know what apocryphal means? Yeah, it's like a like a fake story, right? Like a like a yeah yeah. So I mean, like even if it's a fake story, yeah. somehow it's still like they still took the fort. Yeah, they still took the fort, but not not using that that. But they didn't use Nerf like super soaker blasters. I they did. I'm willing to bet that they use some kind they, of a misdirection. Like nobody just kind of created that story out of thin fucking air. Like they clearly did something because well, they're trying to take a fort. They have to use some ingenuity to, to do well, they, this. Well, they had to. They had to. They had to. You know, they had to jazz it up. You know, they had to. They had just seen Home Alone, so they had to. You know, like the, <laughs> the standees. Ra- yeah, throw a little razzle dazzle into the attack. <laughs> you know, they they were playing Rock Around the Christmas Tree, and they had some. They had some cardboard cutouts. You know that they moved rock back and forth. Christmas tree. Um. After after the taking of Fort Detroit, uh, Brock wrote of Tecumseh. He who attracted most of my attention was a Shawnee chief, Tecumseh, uh, brother to the prophet, who for the last two years has carried on, contrary to our remonstrances, um, an active warfare against the United States. A more sagacious or a more gallant warrior does not, I believe, exist. He was the admiration of everyone who conversed with him. Um, Brock um, assured Tecumseh that the British would support the, um, the, the Native Americans and their land claims. Um, he wrote to his superiors that the restoration of land that was quote-unquote fraudulently um, usurped from the Native Americans should be considered in any peace treaty. Um, news of the fall of Detroit um, uh, revived uh, British discussion of creating an Indian barrier state to ensure the security of Upper Canada. Um, after his uh, short stay in the area, uh, Brock returned to the Niagara frontier where he was killed in action several weeks later. Um, me- meanwhile, the British had negotiated a temporary armistice and called off further offenses. Um, Tecumseh was frustrated by the unexpected British-American armistice, which which came at a time when his Confederacy was attacking other American forts and needed British support. In September of 1812, he and Roundhead led 600 warriors to assist an attack on Fort Wayne, uh, but the siege failed before they arrived. Um, another siege against uh, Fort Harrison also failed. Uh, Tecumseh would stay in pro- uh, the Prophetstown region for the, remaini- uh, for the remainder of 1812, uh, coordinating uh, Native American war efforts. So, I have a dumb question. 
when we're talking about the area that they are in, and we're talking about like Upper Canada and Ohio and Michigan and all that, is the area <clears throat> that we're speaking about, specifically Canada and the United States, defined as we know it today, or was it different? I believe it was referred to as Canada. It, it is not a, um, like it is, um, the, the territories are, I believe, are, are broken up. But I believe the area at that time is called Canada. But like the um, borders are all the same. Like, well, the the borders are mostly the same. I believe in the Northwest Territory, there's some there. There was some debate as to where, um, where like the line of demarcation was. Um, but the the Treaty of Paris had had essentially established where the border was. Um, because because remember, like in the Articles of Confederation, there was originally clauses that said that like the Canadian um, the Canadians could join the United States if they wanted to. Right. Okay. Um, and uh, Tecumseh would write a message to uh, William Henry Harrison at Fort Meeks um, I have with me 800 braves you have an equal number in your hiding place come out with them and give me battle you talked like a brave when we met at Vincennes and I respected you but now you hide behind logs and in, in the earth like a groundhog give me your answer oh shit he just, he's basically said yo use a bitch come talk to me um Tecumseh returned to Amherstburg in April of 1813. Uh, meanwhile, um, the Americans uh, would suffer a defeat at the Battle of Frenchtown in January of 1813 and were pushed back towards Detroit under the command of William Henry Harrison. Um, Tecumseh and Roundhead led about uh, 1,200 warriors to Fort Meigs, a recently constructed fort along the Maumee River in Ohio. Um, the Native Americans initially saw little action uh, while British forces under General Henry Proctor laid siege to the fort. Proctor! <coughs> um, fighting outside the fort would begin on May 5th after the arrival of the American reinforcements, who attacked the British um, gun batteries. Um, Tecumseh led an attack on the American sortie uh, from the fort, uh, then crossed the river to help defeat a regiment of Kentucky militia. Um, the British and Native Americans inflicted heavy casualties on the Americans outside the fort, but failed to capture it. Um, Proctor's Canadian militia and many of Tecumseh's warriors left after the battle, so Proctor was compelled to lift the siege. Bro, can you imagine if you were outside the fort and you were, like, running to the doors, they were closing it? <laughs> no, 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 no. Bro, I'd be so mad. Open the door! Um, after this, um, one of the most famous instances involving uh, Tecumseh occurred. Um, American prisoners had been taken um, to the nearby ruins of Fort Miami. Um, when a group of uh, Native Americans began killing prisoners, uh, Tecumseh rushed in and stopped the slaughter. Um, according to uh, the historian Sugden, uh, Tecumseh's defense of the American prisoners became a cornerstone of his legend, the ultimate proof of his inherent nobility. Um, some accounts said Tecumseh rebuked General Proctor for failing to protect the prisoners, though this might not have happened. Um, Tecumseh and Proctor returned to Fort Meigs in July of 1813. Uh, Tecumseh with uh, 2,501 warriors, um, it would be the largest contingent of warriors he had ever led. Um, they had little hope of taking the, the fort, but Tecumseh sought to draw the Americans into open battle. Um, <clears throat> I need he to staged, know how they got that exact number. 2,501? Well, Tell me, like, the one is Tecumseh. Like, <laughs> well, I'm, well, I'm sure the, the British were, were, you know, like, counting numbers. You can't lead yourself. Unless you want to get real metaphysical about it. <laughs> I do. Um, so in order to draw the Americans out, 
um, he held a mock battle within earshot of the fort. Um, the ruse failed, and the second uh, siege of the fort was lifted. Um, Proctor would then lead a detachment to attack Fort Stevenson on the Sandusky River, while Tecumseh went west to intercept potential American advances. Um, Proctor's attack would fail, and the expedition returned to Amherstburg. <laughs> womp womp. Um, Tecumseh hoped that there would be further um, offensives, um, um, but the American naval victory in the Battle of Lake Erie on September 10th, 1813, um, caused uh, Proctor to decide to retreat from Amherstburg. Um, Tecumseh pleaded with Proctor to stay and fight, um, saying, Our lives are in the hands of the Great Spirit. We are determined to defend our lands, and it is, um, it is his will. Um, we wish to leave our bones upon them. Oh, that's fucking metal. Okay. Um, Proctor, though, insisted that the defense of Amherstburg was untenable now that the Americans controlled Lake Erie. Uh, but he promised to make a stand at, at Chatham uh, along the Thames River. Um, Tecumseh reluctantly agreed to this. Uh, the British would burn Fort Malden um, and public buildings in Amherstburg and then began the retreat with William Henry Harrison's army in pursuit of them. Um, Tecumseh arrived at Chatham uh, to find that Proctor had retreated even further upriver. Um, Proctor sent word that he had chosen to make a stand uh, near uh, Moravia, uh, Moravian town. Uh, Tecumseh was angered by this change in plans, uh, but he led a rearguard action at Chatham to show the American uh, to slow the American advance um, and was slightly wounded in the arm. Uh, many of Te- Tecumseh's uh, uh, allies uh, deserted him during the retreat, um, leaving him with 500 warriors. Oh, man. Okay. Um, Proctor and Tecumseh uh, Proctor and Tecumseh, outnumbered more than three to one, uh, faced the Americans at the Battle of the Thames on October 5th. Uh, Tecumseh uh, positioned his men in a line uh, of trees on the right, hoping to flank the Americans. The left, commanded by Proctor, collapsed almost immediately, and Proctor fled the battlefield. Oh, what uh, close. Uh, Colonel uh, Richard Mentor Johnson led the American charge against the Native Americans. Uh, Tecumseh was killed in the fierce fighting, and the natives dispersed. Uh, the Americans won a decisive victory. So Proctor ran away like a little bitch. Well, it's, it, essentially, they they couldn't hold up to the uh, to the assault, and they they fled as opposed to standing and fighting. So so he so he did not have even a tenth of of the the morality of the principles that Lieutenant Dan had in Forrest Gump when he <laughs> says, "I should have died out in that field with my men." <laughs> I'm sure he didn't have like a relative that died in every like English English war over the last like <laughs> century, <laughs> two hundred years or whatever. <laughs> just 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 him in different period costumes falling down dead. <laughs> um after after the battle, American soldiers stripped and scalped Tecumseh's body. Oh, that's uh, the next the next day, when his uh, body had been positively identified, others peeled off some of his skin as souvenirs. Oh, what the uh, fuck? The location of his remains uh, are unknown. The earliest accounts say that his body had been taken by Canadians and, and buried at uh, Sandwich. Buried at Sandwich? Uh, a later story said that he was buried at the battlefield, or that his body was secretly removed and buried elsewhere. Uh, according to another tradition, an Ojibwe named uh, Oshawano um, who had fought at uh, Moravian Town, um, exhumed Tecumseh's body in the 1860s and buried it on St. Anne Island on the St. Clair River. 
1931, these bones were examined, um, but it was found that they were most likely not Tecumseh because Tecumseh had broken a thigh bone in a riding accident as a youth and thereafter walked with a limp, but neither thigh of the skeleton had been broken. Um, Interesting. Uh, regardless, in, 18, in 1941, the remains were buried on nearby uh, Walpole Island in a ceremony honoring Tecumseh. Um, a, a story in uh, St. Dennis in a book uh, in a book-length investigation of the topic concluded that Tecumseh was likely buried on the battlefield and his remains have been lost. Initial uh, accounts identified Richard Mentor Johnson as having killed Tecumseh. In 1816, Another account claimed a different soldier had fired the fatal shot. Oh, here we go. Um, it's been Laden again, all over again. The, uh, <laughs> the matter, no, the matter became controversial until one of them broke his oath and published a book on the matter. Stating, <laughs> um, no, the, the matter became a controversy in the 1830s when Johnson was a candidate for vice president of the United States to Martin Van Buren. Um, okay. uh, Johnson's supporters uh, promoted him as Tecumseh's killer, employing slogans such as "Rumsey Dumpsey, Rumsey Dumpsey, Colonel Johnson killed Tecumseh." God, what? Holy shit, that's so fucked. Uh, Johnson's opponents uh, collected testimony contradicting his this claim, uh, and, um, and numerous other possible uh, uh, killers of Tecumseh were named. Um, uh, Sugden, uh, the historian Sugden, in, in 1985 presented evidence and argued that Johnson's claim was the strongest, though not conclusive. Uh, Johnson would become vice president in 1837, his fame largely based on his claim to have killed Tecumseh. Um, Tecumseh's death would lead to a collapse of the Confederacy, um, except in the uh, in the Southern Creek War, uh, most of his followers did a little more um, fighting. Um, in the negotiations that ended the War of 1812, the British attempted to honor promises made to Tecumseh by insisting upon the creation of a Native American barrier state in the Old Northwest, which is like current day, like Ohio, um, Indiana, Illinois, uh, Michigan. Okay. Um, the the Americans though refused, and the matter was dropped. Um, the Treaty of Ghent, uh, it, uh, signed in 1814, uh, called for Native American lands to be restored to their 1811 boundaries, something the United States had no intention of following. Ever. Um, but by the end of the 1830s, the U.S. government had compelled Shawnees still living in Ohio to sign removal treaties and move west of the Mississippi River. Okay. Have another question. If Tecumseh was very much like noble and protecting of like prisoners and stuff like that, right? Like he, he, was, he was moral. He was all this stuff, right? Why would the most deranged, unhinged general in the United States Army's history take his name as a middle name? Well, we didn't take it. He was given it a burn. Oh, okay. I thought he like kind of like took the middle name as a memorial. Okay. Oh, good. No, no, he was given it, which is which is problematic because um, Tecumseh also. Um, because you know everybody's like, "Oh, Tecumseh's awesome." He burned down the South. Uh, he also burned down the Sioux, and and I don't, I don't. <laughs> people people sort of sort of omit the, his his hand in a genocide. Yeah. Um, which is which is generally what what I would describe to to anyone what what the Americans did out west to the Native Americans. There it was. I mean, was General either, Sherman was all about like killing people who were non-combatants. He was because a lot a of his wild dude. 
because a lot of his uh, Total War principles, he, he applied them to both parties, and but but he was not, you know, uh, uh, genociding white planters as, as much as, like, internet leftists wish you had. <laughs> oh, man. Um, uh, Tecumseh, though, would be uh, uh, widely admired in his lifetime, um, even by Americans who fought against him. Uh, William Henry Harrison described Tecumseh as one of those uncommon geniuses which spring up occasionally to produce revolutions and overturn the established order of things. Um, after his death, he would become an iconic folk hero um, in, uh, within the United States, within indigenous communities, and also Canadian histories. Um, for many Native Americans and First Nations people, he became a hero who transcended uh, tribal identity. Um, uh Tecumseh's stature as well grew over the decades after his death, um, often at the expense of his brother, uh, Tenskwatawa, um, whose religious views uh, white writers uh, found like weird and like unappealing. So they, they sort of like omitted him or like made him sort of like an outlier, like the previous talk of, you know, him, him being like alienated after the loss. What a bunch of shitheads. You came to these people's house and criticized the art on their walls. And then, oh God, it's so gross, bro. What the f- um, So... Uh, white writers tended to uh, make Tecumseh into a secular leader who used his brother's religious movement for political reasons. Um, for many Europeans and white uh, North Americans, he became an example of what was called the noble savage stereotype. Uh, that we call nowadays is called one of the good ones. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um, Tecumseh, though, is honored in Canada as a hero who played a major role in Canada's defense in the War of 1812. Um, he, um, the, the aforementioned Sir Isaac Brock and Loris Accord are three of the best remembered people of that war and most celebrated within uh, Canadian uh, popular history. Uh, Loris Accord is like the, uh, she's like the Canadian Paul Revere. Yeah, she was the one that like walked around telling people that the British were coming or some shit. Yeah, she like, she like escaped from a raid and like let them know that the Americans were coming oh, or yeah, she saw the them coming. coming. Paul Revere, British coming. Um, John Richardson, a, 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 an early Canadian novelist, um, had served with Tecumseh and idolized him. In 1828, he wrote an, an epic poem, uh, Tecumseh, or The Warrior of the West, um, which he intended to, quote-unquote, preserve the memory of one of the noblest and most gallant spirits in history. Um, Canadian writers such as Charles uh, Mayer, um, he would write Tecumseh a drama in 1886, which celebrated Tecumseh as a Canadian patriot an idea that was reflected in numerous subsequent biographies written for Canadian schoolchildren. Um, Tecumseh was uh, portrayed as a Canadian patriot uh, and has been criticized, um, and, and this has been criticized um, for obscuring his true aim of protecting Native American homelands outside of Canada. Um, uh, of the many things named after Tecumseh in Canada are the Naval Reserve Unit, the HC, um, HMCS Tecumseh, and the towns of Tecumseh in southwestern Ontario, and New Tecumseh in central Ohio. In 1931, the Canadian government designated Tecumseh as a person of national historic significance. Cool. Um, in Germany, um, Tecumseh became popular oh, due to the novels um, Here we go. written by... Here we go. I written, knew that we were not going to get out of an episode without Nazi shit. Here we go. <laughs> written, by, written by Fritz Steuben... Um, uh, beginning with the novel The Flying Arrow, written in 1930. Um, Steuben used Tecumseh to promote na- uh, Nazi ideology. There uh, it though, is. <laughs> though, 
the, the later editions of his novels would remove these elements. There it fucking is. I knew we wouldn't do it. Every episode gotta have a little fucking sprinkle of Nazism in there. Just a little, little just kind of <clears throat> salt bay right on top. Yeah. The uh, the the Germans have like a weird thing, like I've mentioned before, with Native Americans. It's Godwin's law, man. Yeah. The longer the longer an argument or discussion goes on, the the probability of a comparison to Nazis or Adolf Hitler goes up. It just exponentially increases by the minute. But they're not there's exactly like a, the same. I think I think that's like just for internet conversation. It's a hundred percent the same. Yeah. <laughs> Look, you fucking Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> The, um, there, there's like a big culture of like, because like westerns were very popular in Germany in like the 1800s and early 1900s, mm-hmm. and there's like this Native American like cosplay culture in Germany where they have like sort of yeah, like Renaissance fairs, that? but but Native American festivals. It's so and, weird, and it it's weird and like problematic, but a lot of Native Americans uh, tend to be um, cool with it because it, instead of it just being like them just like throwing on face paint and putting feathers in their hair and stuff like they actually do like research the cultures and the languages oh so and they don't just get shit face drunk and wear green they actually like you know look into <laughs> why they're actually celebrating this holiday yeah they actually speak Gilgay. yeah it's like um, just vomiting green all over the street and <laughs> just making ass out but, of themselves but they um but but they um they learn the languages and i there's also been cases where um german scholars of these like languages that that have been um, that have been sort of like brought over to Germany and like sort of taught there that they've sort of helped Native Americans recover their languages be- okay, because so they they also terrible. had like a working knowledge of it so so there actually is like like they're actually like sort of preserving Native American culture so that's why they kind of get a pass for their weird like yeah like race based cosplay yeah. um the East Germans were also fond of westerns also making them with socialist angles. Um, and the film Tecumseh was released in East Germany in 1972. Okay. Um, in the United States, Tecumseh would also become a legendary figure, um, and a lot of uh, details of his life would become shrouded in mythology. Um, according to a scholar, Edmonds, the real Tecumseh has been overshadowed by a folk hero whose exploits combine the best of fact and fiction. Um, only in the late 20th century did academic historians begin to um, unravel what was fact and what was fiction. Uh, the fictional uh, Tecumseh was featured in numerous poems, plays, and novels, as well as several movies and outdoor dramas. Um, for instance, George Jones' Tecumseh, or The Prophet of the West, an 1844 play, Mary Catherine uh, Crowley's uh, Love Thrives in War, a 1903 novel, uh, Brave Warrior, a 1952 film, and Alan W. Eckhart's A Sorrow in Our Hearts, The Life of Tecumseh, a 1992 novel. None of those I've even heard of, even remotely. <laughs> um, James Alexander Tom in 1989 wrote a novel, yeah, Panther in, in the Sky. I was more into like wild and crazy kids, and uh, <laughs> you know, I was very much into Transformers. Did was Tecumseh able to get to the top of the aggro crowd? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to Mo for the scores, Mo. Mo. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Malley. <laughs> but uh, Michael James Malley. Alexander uh, Tom's 1989 novel, Panther in the Sky was made into a TV movie, Tecumseh, The Last Warrior, uh, which was released in 1995. Um, an outdoor drama, uh, Tecumseh, oh has God. been performed <laughs> at, near near uh, Chillicothe, uh, Ohio, since 1973. 
Um, it was uh, written by Alan Eckert, and the story features a fictional doomed romance between Tecumseh and a white settler woman. Oh my um, god! Oh my fucking god! Are you kidding me right now? Bro? Which is which is example of the trope of the vanishing Indian scenario popular with white Americans? Oh god! It's a they turn him into a rom like a not a rom com but like just a romance like a hot and steamy fucking oh K, man. K drama. It's 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 our own Last of the Mohicans before the Last of the Mohicans came oh, out. Skinamax. <laughs> so, what's the general consensus here? Tecumseh, good guy, bad guy? But look at all the towns he's got named after him. He's got to be a good guy, right? Like just like Columbus, this Columbus is everywhere. Christopher Columbus got to be know, a good there's guy. There's a lot of a lot of buildings out there with the word Trump on them. <laughs> he's got to be a good guy. Actually, yeah, but no, Tecumseh, he doesn't have to but be Tecumseh didn't because... build them himself with his like name emblazoned on him, like no. like he's Lex Luthor. Put my put my put my Indian name up there in gold. <laughs> There's no towns named after Trump, so he cannot technically be a definitive good guy. That's a good point. Yeah, he's just got buildings. Well, 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 you know, like I'm, I'm sure there's probably going to be some place in like Alabama or whatever that's going to yeah. rename themselves like Trumpville. Oh, Trump God, don't give me I'm su- I'm surpri- ideas, bro. Please, I'm surprised it didn't already happen. Uh, they wanted I- to rename uh, Highway 27, US 27, the uh, Donald J. Trump Highway. Uh, I just no words, man. Just no fucking words. You know, usually you have to wait till someone dies until you name something after him. So. I am for it. Let's g- look, man. <laughs> if that's the case, <laughs> I'm willing to name that thing tomorrow. If you, if the I mean, you know, I'm just saying. Oh, um, man. but I would, I would say that that Tecumseh is obviously, you know, he's a um, he's a good leader. Um, I would, I would say that you know he's he's good for Native Americans. I think like one of the problems is is that a lot of tribes didn't consider the the existential like threat that the American settlers um, would be for them. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, with negotiating treaties, because you like, like with the back and forth with him and like William Henry Harrison, like one of like one of Harrison's during their like like where they're they're sort of confronting each other. Mm-hmm. He tells them, you know, that like if if God had intended for the natives to be like one one people, he would have given them one language instead of a bunch of different ones. Right. Good God. Um, and, and just things like that. And that, um, and that some tribal leaders, of course, because, you know, Tecumseh is just this guy and he comes along and, and he just sort of like takes over. And if you're like the leader of a tribe and this guy from another tribe comes along and he's just like, all right, this is what we're doing. And it's like, well, well, who the fuck are you? (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, but it would sort of be a thing that also gets replicated later on. Cause you know, in the, in the late 1800s, there's this phenomenon called the, uh, the ghost dance, which is also sort of like a rejection of, you know, of, of European, um, brought, uh, culture. And it's sort of like this religious revival where they believe that through this ritual, they can bring about like the end of, um, end of like, sort of like the European settlers through, um, sort of like a, a like a spiritual event. Hmm. Um, so it gets repeated. Like I said, this is also like, uh, like with modern day conflicts, like I mentioned the Kurds, mm-hmm. where it's essentially like a group where like, they don't have a homeland, and, and they're fighting to sort of like preserve them themselves, their language, their way of life, their people. Right. You know, they've been facing, you know, genocides um, from all sides and, and all corners. And they went their own country. And then um, people are sort of stringing them along. And then in the end, they're just like, well, you know, you, you served your purpose. Like, we, we can't agree to that. Well, thanks. And, and good luck. <laughs> oh, we just can't do it right now. It's just not in the budget. It's been a bad year. You know, your dad got laid off. And, you know, money's tight right now. But... 
we, we might be able to do something for you in the future. And and it's also a thing too with like 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 which is coming up a lot in Canada is as much as they're just like yeah these uh these Native Americans like like we owe our independence to them, but it's also like they were as bad um, as the United States was to their own indigenous populations. Um, all the things going on with First Nations people, the the religious schools where they were just like throwing like nuns are throwing like babies into furnaces, <laughs> like like just just like the ridiculous levels of like. Insanity. Of just like of of insanity of of cultural and literal genocide that went on in both countries, um, so so it's weird that they're just like even even today because there was a recent thing, um, in and around like the the 2010s around the the bicentennial of the War of 1812 mm-hmm. because uh, Stephen Harper was the the Prime Minister of Canada and he was a um, he, he was like a he was a conservative and he sort of wanted to be George W. Bush. So he he started this sort of like propaganda campaign to lead into it was like a Canadian history moment. And they would they would like just sort of like build up like Laura Accord and all these things like these shorts that would play on on CBC. Uh Um, And you could watch them on YouTube. Um, And and it's just sort of like building up even recently that well, now like the Canadian government's just sort of like denying their culpability and the mistreatment of like Native Americans of of First Nations, I should say, because that's the term for them in canada but but just sort of denying any culpability they have to the damages that they did what because that that was the whole thing with like trudeau is that like they're they're just like oh yeah this is real bad and it's like well you're gonna do anything about it no not really but we just wanted you to know that we know it's bad but we're not gonna do anything (laughs) so yeah um tecumseh um sort of visionary um another example of of sort of like native american tribes banding together um, for their mutual defense and it ending up not working out in the end um, cause there, there was like a quote from William Henry Harrison, essentially talking about, um, how like that, that essentially like they can't even think of like fighting against the Americans because there's so many of them. Right. Jesus. Um, he would, um, he, he essentially said like there, there's as many of us as like the sand, um, in the, in like the, the riverbed, like they, they you can't even think, um, to, um, to, to come against us. Um, and he wasn't wrong there because it's essentially what does like kill off a lot of the Native Americans is the fact that regardless of how many like colonists and settlers they kill, like more are going to keep coming um, because things are so bad in um, in Europe that there's go- constantly going to be like excess of people who need land. So it's kind of like a Zergling rush in StarCraft. <laughs> And as usual, we end up with the StarCraft <laughs> reference. You kill the first six, and you're down to one miner, and you're like, all right, I fended off the attack. You look back, and there's two more just kind of bebopping their way into your base, and you're like, oh, fuck. All right, well, you lift know, off the command center. Fly I was going to say, yeah, to, to come say, you know, he would he just kept moving the command center, but it got to a point, and, you know, he didn't get the nuke upgrade. He kept yep. <laughs> he kept lifting, lifting the TP and floating off to a new state. <laughs> he could settle down again. Uh, all right, and with that... Good luck. Yeah. Good evening. And good night. Fuck Walter Cronkite's in this bitch. Good night. Mm-hmm.